Welcome to Coach Club Africa, the home of heroes without the headlines. I'm your host, Danny Den Hartog, coach of coaches and co-founder of Coach Africa. Coach Club Africa is the podcast that promotes and nurtures coaching made in Africa. This is a community of African coaches and leaders with one thing in common, the desire to grow their impact, influence and income so that this powerful intervention called coaching scales across a bold new Africa. Join the community by hitting the subscribe button and watch those episodes coming to your feed as soon as they are available. And in the meantime, come on over and follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Danny Den Hartog. Welcome everyone to already the 11th episode of Coach Club Africa, the home to the heroes without the headlines. My guest today is a Thinkers 50 Global Coach winner, year 2019, an organization development specialist, an organizational learning expert, executive coach with 30, I repeat, 30 years of working with organizations and leadership in corporates and NGOs. He is currently the chairperson of the Africa Board for Coaching consulting and coaching psychology and he also sits as a non-executive director on several boards in the NGO film and music sectors. I'm very very honored that he is here with us today. My guest is Dr. Mongezi Makhalima. Welcome Dr. Mongezi. I feel like there should be an applause after that right? <laughs> Welcome to the world of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Danny. Thank you for having me. Great, great. I'm really stoked that you're with us, Dr. Mungese, because you have decades of experience in the coaching space on the African continent. So I would love us to take a little bit of a journey back at the time when you just got started. And tell us a little bit about your backstory and what uh, propelled you to enter this space. Thank you. The short version first. It was my boss's fault. I <laughs> have always been a very challenging person. So me and him would fight quite a bit about everything, but it was not really a big fight. It was always more about disagreement and all of those things. And then one day he comes to me and goes, hey, you, being what you are or who you are, there is this course that's happening at the University of Stellenbosch, and I think it will suit you. And I'm going like, okay, what is it? And then, because I, I was like tempted to actually go like, what do you mean being who I am? But I kind of like just let, <laughs> I let that go. So what, what course is it? And then it so happened to be, now Astronel, he said, as one of our colleagues. And then I, I went and we spoke with Ronel. I had no idea what they were talking about. But later, only to find out it's a master's, it was the first master's program in coaching in South Africa, definitely in Africa. And that's how I, I, I got to be part of that, uh, that journey. But if one were to take it back, because the, the program obviously encouraged a lot of reflections and a lot of consciousness around one's personal journey. And one thing I've learned, I, I began to learn in that journey was how I've all, actually always been a coach. 
And I was waiting for that moment to professionalize. Because in 1997, I've been coaching since 1997, and I would have entrepreneur, some of the development agencies here and that work with entrepreneurs because I work with entrepreneurs quite a lot. I've always been, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been passionate about entrepreneurship. Uh, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So it, it was something that came naturally to me. Then I was helping others to do it. And I was paid for it uh, by PricewaterhouseCoopers who were running a program for mentoring and development in the banking sector. At that time, I was still in the banking sector. So it kind of made a lot of sense. So that's a, a very big nutshell of a very interesting story if I tell it, but we don't have all the time. Thanks for sharing that. I would love to know, like, you, you actually mentioned that your route was, was in a way like an academic entrance, right? Like you, you actually started to, to learn about what the intervention was on an academic level. Now, a lot of coaches, they just start coaching without like, you know, the proper kind of fundamentals. So I would love to know a little bit about how, how were the first conversations you have had with clients and to what extent was that, did that match with, with the stuff that you were learning at that time? Actually, Danny, it, it is exactly like how many people have come into coaching. Because like I said, in 1997, when I was doing it, I didn't know it's called coaching, right? Uh, all I was doing was helping entrepreneurs. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm in the street, so there will be like cars once in a while that pass by. You know, we make things happen. You know, that's, Absolutely, that's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, 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 at that time, because I was just, I was employed and this was something I was doing on the side and being able to just support entrepreneurs. I didn't know it was coaching, but one of the things I was doing, and I only realized when I got into the master's program that that's what I was doing. I would ask, and I'll give you a little another piece of background, but let me finish this sentence. I would ask a question. Um, if the first thing that people would do when they come into me, I said, I've heard a lot of the stories. How are you going to make money? So that would be the first question I asked. Uh, if they are a, not able to ask me that to answer that question, they are already a candidate for a lot more work. And what used to happen, I would get about 30 people every month. Of those 30 people, only 15 would actually make it because they would answer that question correct. And they would actually think about it. They would go away, do work and come back. And then they would be viable. And then I would su suggest them to the bank. So that's how it went. So when I then got into this master's program, thank God to uh, Caroline uh, and Mike at, at, at that point, um, I just went like, oh, but I've been doing this, but I didn't know it's actually coaching. And I realized right at that moment, this is exactly what I've been waiting for because now this is the other piece. I've been, I'm trained as a psychologist, but I hardly ever practiced as a psychologist. I didn't really care for it. I never really looked at people as broken. I continuously approach people as really well-developed, well-functioning individual. Even what we would call crazy people, because I studied psychopathology, my approach to psychopathology was not about the fact that people are broken, but about the humanistic element to it. I love that. So basically you found out that there was a much better fit with what yes. you believed in, right? And what you've already had been practicing. I love that. Hey, when you, and, you know, like your, I think what is 
beautiful about the place where you're sitting is you have a helicopter overview of everything that is going on in terms of coaching in Africa. And I would love your perspective on just kind of how the space has evolved eh, over the past uh, 30, uh, 30 years. Let's, let's try to condense it in a couple of minutes, that 30 years, <laughs> right? But, and what kind of lessons can we draw from that moving forward? Because, you know, we, I think there's a lot of value in, um, in history that we don't really, like, we kind of take it, things for granted or we don't really yeah. reflect properly. So what can we kind of learn from these decades um, moving forward as well in terms of outlook? Yeah, I love that question. It, it, they, they say that the, the thing about history is that the thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from it, right? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so a, a lot of the stuff that I'm not going to say uh, in the, is in the journal, in the second edition of the journal for coaching consulting and coaching psychology in Africa, it is there. So if people want to actually get a lot more detail of this, it's in there because uh, I kind of written a little bit about it. Um, Sunny Stout Rostron, uh, people can also check it out, has done a lot of beautiful work in terms of the detail in her book. But in terms of the summary for the last 30 years, I think what's been fascinating is watching not just here in Africa, but uh, uh, globally how the ICF came into being, Tom Leonard and the, and, and the guys starting to talk the language of coaching and giving it a professional tinge such that then in 1999, the establishment of the ICF uh, code and all of that. But what was happening while that was taking place, as in, uh, I like to use the words as if it's new, because on this continent, what was happening is grandmothers, grandfathers, and people, uh, people had been having that humanistic conversation for a long time. This is how we've been learning how to, we didn't have schools, um, many of the people before me and before my, grandpa, my grandfather and my great-grandparent. So coaching and mentoring was the way in which people were learning. Then what Tom Leonard and his uh, Kimsey House and uh, later John Whitmore and all of those were doing and Mike Van Ozuren coming from this side because they kind of understood, they started connecting it to say, this is essentially the way of being with people in the world. And it is useful because you're looking at, at a human as aspirational as people with potential. So since that time, what has been happening in the, in the world is from a space where coaching was regarded as remedial, people were very ashamed of the idea that you have a coach. We're now sitting in a space where people actually brag and point fingers and say, here is my coach. And in Africa, what has been fascinating for me, especially after attending the, uh, I, I was loving attending the uh, Africa Excellence Summit last year, and because it was very much a, a nice summary of how far we've come, that we had five conferences on the continent that were really focusing on coaching and the development of coaching, where we have people actually asking for coaches. One of the things that's still not happening though, two things that I wish to see happen, and I'm sure you have asked me this question anyway, um, is that I would like now for people to really take their competence seriously and realize that coaching is a powerful tool that actually requires skill. You don't just walk in, into the room. That's the first thing. But the second thing that I would love to see now happen more is 
where as coaches, we actually own our own personal development uh, through going to supervision. Through oh, oh yeah, here's another thing. I would love to see that we stop looking for coaches from outside of the continent and essentially really get coaches. And in order to do that, coaches have to do what I've just said now, which is essentially get yourself up to uh, up to the up to the level. And that's where we are right now. Is where we are talking about what is it that coaches need to do more of so that they can't just pick up a business card, but they have to now professionalize. Love that. I love that. So I'm hearing uh, take competency seriously, right? And own uh, your personal development, right? Plus stop looking outside for, and that's especially appealing to, to leaders, organizations, right? Like stop looking outside for uh, outside the continent to bring in coaches because there's plenty of talented coaches out there uh, willing to to help you. So these are great points. If you look at your role, eh, you're a chairperson uh, of the Africa Board for Coaching Consulting and Coaching Psychology. What, what do you think the mandate or role of the, uh, the, the abbreviation is ABCCCP, right? Like what, what is the mandate and what, what are you setting out to achieve? Yeah, I think the, the main ele- element or, or the main job of the ABCCCP, that's how we call it for short, is essentially to make sure that coaches are who they say they are. And this is essentially particularly to protect the, the, the bias of coaching and make sure that the bias of coaching get the best quality of coaching and consulting because we only, we're not only focusing on coaching, although here we're talking about coaching, but we're talking about coaching, consulting, and coaching psychology. So those are the three areas. But it's really about quality assurance for the bias of coaching. But for the coaches themselves is a space where coaches can go in order to develop their standards. So I've I've had a good fortune since the late 90s, early early 2000s, develop standards for coaching, develop through the coaching and mentoring society, help develop some of the different uh, coaching, uh, what do they call it, professional or societies in different parts of the continent. I think we're just launching one now in Zambia, for example, which is exciting to see after many years of getting people to come through. But what's important from an ABCCP perspective is to make sure that standards, coaches are are working in line with standards of competence and standards of ethics Mm. that essentially keep them doing the best for the coaches. Mm. So from an ethical perspective, for example, therefore, because I think every time we talk about ethics, it gets very nice and complicated, which is kind of very interesting because that humans have to be taught ethics. What we are really interested in from an ABCCP perspective is that coaches need to be customer oriented. That's one. Two, meaning they should be focusing a lot on the line. Two, coaches should be working in bringing their best capability into the room, which then speaks about continuous professional development, for example. Three, coaches need to be working on a space of helping the client get the result. It's not a nice chair where you go, yes, yes, yes. No, we need to help people really come to the results. But finally, even higher level, coaches have to then continuously hold the clients accountable to their own awareness. So I don't want the client, for example, to look like me, think like me, feel like me, but I would like for them 
to continuously be conscious of how they think, how they feel and how they make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And when, when you talk about the, the ICF, like, so how do you see ICF relating to uh, ABCCP? Yeah, I, I get this quite a lot. We have a tagline in, in, at ABCCP, made in Africa for the world. I think it is a summary of, 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 of this position. ICF has a, a Northern and, and, and Western perspective around what coaching is. And we've seen it now in the, in the coaching competencies because we've had to now review the coaching competencies recently, I think last year, early last year. And one thing that's becoming interesting is that as compared, and I'm going to brag a little bit here, but as compared to many of the Western competency frameworks, and, and northern competence frameworks because we're comparing across the different parts of the world uh, in this instance, not just America. A lot of it is about doing. It's about steps. It's about goals. It's about activities. And, and, and then I use the word holding accountable, but it's there holding people accountable to goals and doing and activity and all of that. What is different that's coming out in terms of our competencies, because we kept asking what's so African about these competencies, we realized that 80% of them, uh, only two of our competencies are doing competencies. The rest are being competencies, which means they require the coach to really pay more attention because we can't really train you on it. We can create a space for you to keep paying attention. So people go like, yeah, but how do I train people to pay attention to the coach's context? You just do <laughs> by yeah. continuously reflecting it back to say, are you paying attention? Because I can't teach you. You can't teach. There are four things that people cannot teach you out of my research. People can't teach you values. That's for sure. People can't teach you passion. That's for sure. People cannot teach you motivation, that's for sure. And people cannot teach you personality, that's for sure. So what these competencies really do, they hold people in those four elements of the SCAP framework to essentially say, am I aware of the values of this person as opposed to my own? Am I aware of this person's passion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in this instance? So that's how it differentiates. But here's a little break that I had mentioned that I was going to do. It's been, been very fascinating now to watch because we're not saying we, this is the, uh, the ABCCP, this is the ICF. We are all really just doing the same job, all 23-odd bo professional bodies across the world. We are really trying to hold coaches accountable to the bias of coaching. But uh, how we do it is different. So we recognize some of the members of the ICF who come into the ABCCP and we're hoping at some point the ICF would do the same in return. But a little bit of a break uh, is that now we've been noticing the ICF competencies and how they have shifted and changed. They are showing a lot more being because we've been singing a lot of the song about the being for the last 10 years. Beautiful. Beautiful. So your work actually has inspired a global standard to shift in a way, which is phenomenal. I mean, I love what you what you mentioned about, you know, made in Africa for the world. Right. Because that that also shows an ambition to actually export that African excellence right yes. to the world and not only look within the continent, but actually make that the standard of coaching from Africa like a global uh, brand. And uh, I really want to acknowledge and appreciate you for all that work that you do in this field because i think as coaches 
um, all of us listening in, we actually have all have a role to play in that yeah. space because there's no single organization that can do that alone. It's like yes. everybody stepping up to the challenge, right? And actually owning that, owning that uniqueness. Um, last week, we had a, a, a great conversation with Nobuntu about, you know, uh, the Ubuntu coaching. And I think there's yeah, so yeah. much more value, right? So I would love your perspective. Like, what, what do you think is the uniqueness of coaching made in Africa? Where, where do you kind of like see the pearls or the, where's the potential in terms of like business wise? Where's the potential you think? Well, I, I think the first piece of potential lies in speaking to people in the language that they that they connect to. So my master's research was, does it matter if you're black or white? Issues of black and white, as much as we would not like to talk about them, as uncomfortable as they are, the recognition of the history and where history is coming from on this continent is absolutely critical. And coaches who are not paying attention to that are most likely to get it wrong more than get it right for their client. So when I speak about the language here, I'm not just speaking about the actual language. I'm speaking about the soul language. I'm speaking about the uh, experience language, the background language. Um, the coaching, a, I always use this example, coaching a vendor woman who is a CEO is different. If you coach a woman as a CEO in Amsterdam, for example, because a vendor woman here has three things that are working for her, that are working against her or for her, depending on how she looks at it. As a female CEO, she is leading men who are coming from a context that says we are not led by women. And so she has a very different context in terms of the challenges. And as a coach, you can't say, oh, just take up your own power and, 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 and do it. That's not how it works. There's a much bigger context that gets in her way. But when she leaves the room, and the, the, the boardroom and goes to the house, she is a wife. And married to a vendor man, a vendor man requires her to kneel on to kneel and give her food and give him food and wash his feet. And she can't be CEO in the house, regardless of what it means. And now as a coach, my job is to hold those two realities for her and have a very deepened conversation about what does it mean. To, and, and what do you want? What do you need? But be aware also, that's the third level. Be aware that the what do you want and what do you need can sometimes be subordinate to what is practical and useful in that moment. So uh, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a very complex example I can bring that's, that says, what's the opportunity in coaching in Africa today? It's a, the ability to be, to be able to talk to people in a context and a sense of where they are. But the second, the second piece for, uh, that I can bring here in terms of an opportunity, Africa is the, the youngest continent in the world. And a lot of these young people are coming from interesting backgrounds, but are very aspirational. So the ability now, this is now the whole idea now of extra language, the ability of coming in and being able to speak Isisulu, I mean, so here to now, as, we, as you and I are speaking, and many of your viewers and listeners would know, Soweto is one of the most popular, most uh, famous township in South Africa, which has created the Mandelas, that has created Bishop Tutu's, etc. They came from here. I mean, Bishop Tutu's home is a, probably a couple of kilometers 
about eight kilometers from where I am. But so there's a lot of aspiration. There's a lot of excellence here. However, if you're coming in with a mindset that says, I'm going to rescue people from poverty and, da, 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 and all of those mindsets that comes in, that we hold when we come in um, as coaches, uh, the elitism and the sense of ownership of other people's journeys, we're going to struggle. So there's an opportunity in terms of, of coaching in Africa that is about helping this continent grow faster because what coaching does is it accelerates development for people, but in a way that connects to people at their level. Mm, I, I love that. I think that shows a deep understanding of, you know, what, what uh, reality is and the opportunity for people to grasp moving forward because there's no international coach that can actually grasp that context as fully as someone that is deeply familiar with, with local context. So I, I, I love that. If I can interrupt, Daniel. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just said, having said that, when we then talk about competency development, right, with what you've just said now, um, the, 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 the growth of the coach in still being able to do the coaching, without necessarily letting that context overshadow everything. So it's, it becomes a much more nuanced conversation. I think, uh, uh, what's her name? You spoke about Nobantu. She would have mentioned this as well because she does it very well in her way of being with people so that you listen to more than what we are saying with the words. Because most of Western coaching is mostly vocalized and linguistic in its approach and with a, a level of cognitive interaction between the brain and the, and, the, and the voice. But sometimes just sitting, having tea <laughs> and listening in a way that appreciates the journey of the person and appreciates emergence. And we've included all of these in our competencies. And it was very hard at first because people will go like, yeah, but how do I measure emergence? Like, That's precisely it. You don't measure it, but you experience and discern it. And the training becomes very difficult, di different for the You coach. are, basically you, you are. You are, yes. <laughs> right? You get it, you get it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I completely agree. I think in Western uh, coaching, there's too much emphasis on, you know, move crush it like right yeah. and and okay specific measure and i think there's no like people are not like there's a tendency to go for shorter speed date kind of like speed strategy laser coaching sorry i, I was looking for that word laser coaching all of these shorter sessions to get very quick results but like at the end of the day i think the the being right that true connection like there's not enough time that is being allocated to that so i think that is usually important and that brings a totally different level of understanding and and real connection between the coach and the coachee which which is a fundamental right like in terms of getting results it's also a, to what extent is there the trust and the the deep connection between coach and coachee so what i would love to understand, and I would like to talk a little bit about the business of coaching aspect, because one of the things you mentioned is one of the first you, questions you ask is, you know, like, how do you make, how do you intend to make money, right? Which, which I love, like, I think everybody should ask that question, you know, to their, to their clients. So I would love for you to actually <laughs> share some answers to some of the questions that you're getting. 
and to also share like, okay, what are the economics are likely to look at, at coaches that are just starting up and what are the potential economics for a coach? Because what I see, the reality is often that people are, are just not charging enough. They're selling themselves short and yeah, I have some thoughts about it, but I would love to, for you to kind of share some of these learnings and maybe potential strategies for coaches to yeah. to grow their I revenue. I love that question. I love that question. There's um about uh, it's not like anybody sitting there with a with a measuring tape, right, and counting all of these people. But there's about 1.38 billion people on this continent, and of this 1.38 billion people, about 45 percent of them are in some form of employment, it may be a formal employment, semi-formal employment, or the rest are in in a way survivalist and called self-employed, as we call it, because one of the things we don't get paid, we don't pay attention to as the continent, we are actually quite entrepreneurial by nature because it's it's in the DNA of you have to because you have all of these resources. So people actually take advantage of it. Now the interesting challenge, so that's one from an actual economics perspective. And of, of this piece of people, about 52%, and don't hold me to the numbers, please, 52% odd of these people are young people between the uh, up to the age of um, 25, right? And so if this is the case, what does this mean then for you as a coach and the market you want to go into? So many coaches come into the world of coaching, wanting to jump straight into executive coaching and working with CEOs and all of that. And then it creates a very interesting paradox for them because you're just coming in. Mongezi has been around for 30 odd years and he doesn't even care about coaching CEOs because honestly, I don't really care about coaching CEOs. I just like coaching people. These are CEOs like me. But (laughs) honestly, I coach and mentor anyone, right? Because I'm very clear that this is the stuff that this is what I'm hoping helping people solve. So it starts there. You now sit in a paradox where you don't have enough experience for the client base you want to be in. What do you think is going to happen? It's a very good chance you're not going to have a lot of confidence, a very good chance you're not going to have a lot of clients, very good chance that you're not then going to make enough money. So that's the first thing. Now, I use the word money. Many coaches are afraid of the word money. Now we were sitting with a couple of creatives the other day. So it's my it's my thing in the world now to kind of help people understand the value of money, not just money itself. Because money is irrelevant, honestly. So I sound like I'm contradicting myself, but money is irrelevant, but it is relevant in it as a measurement, as a vector of value. So leaders and coaches need to start understanding the subject of value or the to- topic of value and how that translates into money. What value are you giving to your client? And when you start asking the question around the value that has nothing so much to do with the fact that you can coach really well, but also the fact that you have experience, the fact that you have passion, the fact that you have motive, personality, and results in the, from the past, you are starting to collect and package your own value as a coach and then you can ask to whom is this value useful to whom am i useful it's not the other way around it's not i want to go i want to coach ceos and i want to coach young people and i find that that's not working i find that it's first of all to go into reflective practice that says what pain do i want to solve for the world given who i am 
then that's where I started. Given who I am and what I am, what pain can I solve? And then be deliberate then to define exactly who has this pain for you. And, and I learned this because when I started in coaching, I also, I was fortunate because I was working in the finance, in the banking sector, but I didn't always know all of the stuff. But what, how I actually learned was through one of the best salespeople in the world, as far as I'm concerned, Dan Bradbury. He asked me, he, he told me this and I was fighting with it. And I'm, I'm sharing this with everybody freely whenever I teach. Nobody buys coaching. People are not buying coaching. They are buying this thing that coaching is solving for them. Yes, absolutely. What is that? Absolutely. It's that transformation, right? Like people want to go from A to B. <laughs> and coaching is just one of the interventions, right? That uh... Yeah. Or not, Danny. I mean, I'm thinking I've made it as a joke. Sometimes I've had leaders who go, where I go like, if you don't have a goal or something you want to talk about in our coaching, we'll just sit and have coffee. Actually, I find that that's all they want to do. They just want to have a cup of coffee with someone who's not going to judge them. They don't want to go anywhere except just be there. That's also value. But that's in a way also going somewhere, right? Because that is, there's an internal journey, right? So, so that in, in, that, in that being, but I, you know, I, I love that. And I think there's, there's a need for connection, we, we all have such a need for connection and especially in terms of leaders. But what I'm kind of sensing is, is that, that there seems to be a drive around like the democratization or, you know, making coaching more broadly available on the continent. Do, do I kind of sense that that is one yeah. of your, your missions? Tell, tell us a little bit about why you do all of this. I enjoy the work that you guys have been doing in terms of that Coach Africa has been doing in terms of developing or making coaching bazaaries and making it available because there is a way, there is a need to start having a different kind of language conversation. And in a way, it's going backwards, right? We're not really going forward. It, it has a nice name now. We call it coaching, but it's kind of like reminding people to be with people in a way that people are people. And democratization of coaching, not as a commodity, but as a language that we have with people is very powerful. So in, in a couple of years ago, the, the ABCCP launched a project called Project 1000. And what was really important was to create 1000 coaches across the continent who will be able to all allocate or create or help other leaders to have these conversations and organizations like your like yours like Coach Club Africa and Coach Africa in general doing a great job in helping people develop those skills. Now the power comes then. Imagine if we can have these kind of conversations in our governments. Imagine if we can have this kind of conversation in our hospitals. Imagine if we can have this kind of conversations in church, because Africans love their church. And imagine if the church was speaking in a coaching language, how many people would actually really aspire and get out of there. So that's where we are. What we are trying to do here is not to make coaching popular. What we are interested in doing as the ABCCP is to make sure that people are aware that the language that they are speaking can transform them into whatever they want. But first, they need to go back into being more human. Yeah, absolutely. So at first, that inner journey, right, in that sense. Yeah, fantastic. 
So what are some of the things that you see coaches that are doing that are not working? Like what, <laughs> because you're also, you're a coach of coaches as well, same as what I am, right? Um, you uh, focus both on the, the technical, the competency skills, uh, but also asking and, and guiding on the, on the business side, which uh, again, I think everybody needs to pay more attention to. So what are some of the things that you see uh, not working and how to kind of overcome that? Oh, uh, we spoke about money now. Uh, I think let's start talking about value as opposed to talking about pricing. So you don't need to talk about pricing. You need to talk about value. Or hours, hours and yeah. pricing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You need to listen more and, and see how you can package more value into the conversations as opposed to. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I see coaches really struggling with is the idea of method and a method and steps versus serving, listening, being there, really being there. Many, many, particularly new coaches, they tend to wrap themselves up into knots or tie themselves up into knots with these acronyms that they're trying to fit their conversation into. And then you find that you're talking to someone who doesn't care about your acronym. They're really interested in being helped. Forget about process. Wow. It's good for you. It's your framework. However, come in and listen. The wow. skills and the competencies are much more important than your process. That's true. And then I think the last one, because there's, there's, a, there's a few, but I'm, I'm just going to limit it to these three. Oh, this is my pet, my pet issue that I get in trouble with quite a lot. Supervision, supervision, supervision. Coaches don't know what supervision is. And if they do, they have a very weird, funny relationship with supervision. But supervision is a way of helping you be more human with yourself because you're always happy to be human with other people out there. This is a space where you can be vulnerable on behalf of the client and check yourself. and But re restore yourself. At the same time, develop continuous professional development, develop awareness. How are you going to help the client if you can't look inside? Yeah, and and what we are driving at the ABCCP, you can't renew your membership if you can't show hours for supervision. Yeah. You can't renew your membership if you can't show your hours. We are not looking to make 100,000 coaches who are our members. We are looking for quality coaches who value continuous professional development. Yeah. We are interested in coaches who are interested in being with the clients in the way that the clients could be. And we are interested in coaches who go through supervision because they can self-introspect and help the clients better. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving this conversation and I hope you're, you're getting, if you're listening to this, you're getting all the, the golden nuggets that are shared because what I'm picking out of the, the last thing that you've said is that, yes, acronyms, models are important if you look at marketing your coaching business, but once you actually got the client in, like be in the process, be with the client and kind of like, you know, you're, you know your model or you know your thing, but like be there with the client and let let it flow more naturally and focus yeah. on delivering basically the best of you from being a serve, actually serving, right? Yeah. So I think that's super because we sometimes tend to kind of, especially if we, we the more we, we develop our marketing capabilities, the more we have to 
to differentiate between the roles that we have in our business as a marketeer or actually as a coach ex- executing yeah. on the program. So I'm loving everything that you've, you've shared. In fact, I would even say skills over process. If you can help it, skills over process. Skills, skills over, over process. process. Yeah. Listening, reframing, paraphrasing, reframing. Those type of listening and questioning are much more important than your steps. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be the, unfortunately, we have come to kind of the end of the conversation, but I would love you to share maybe some final takeaways or what would be a piece of advice that you would be giving to both coaches that are just starting up, but also to experienced coaches already active in the space in Africa? Yeah, I think I've said a lot. <laughs> um, you said one, amazing well, things. One thing, one thing I haven't spoken about Team coaching and group coaching are a place to go. So uh, look into that in as, in as much as it's been done. Sometimes I'd roll my eyes and go like, why are we talking about this? But then I've been doing it for a long time. But don't just focus on individual coaching. Look at what groups, how you can help groups get better. However, to coaches who are listening, and particularly new coaches, get yourself, first of all, get a qualification. Don't listen to people telling you coaching is easy. It's not easy. It's actually really hard. And people who go into programs, they realize this afterwards. Like, oh, it's so hard. And I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? And then once you have your qualification from an accredited institution, don't just go anywhere. To make sure then that you get accredited. Accreditation gives the client a sense of comfort and that they have someone they can report you to. <laughs> so to speak because clients just want a sense of certainty about that they are going to get that so that's already a good step and then join a community of coaches because sitting with a community will get you more business if you want business but most importantly you'll develop more you'll learn more and you'll be more and finally the greatest learning doesn't happen in the presence of an answer it happens in the present of a question. Can you one one more time repeat that? Because I love that sentence. The, like, as a final <laughs> cliffhanger. Say it again, please. This is awesome. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear it again. Let's see if I remember. The greatest learning doesn't happen in the presence of an answer. It happens in the presence of a question. I love that. Dr. Mongezi Maklahima, thank you so much for being with us. So what is the best people want to read more about you or about the ABCCP? What is the best place for them to go? And we will put, we'll make sure in the show notes also to put some more details, but what would be, would be the best step for them? ABCCP.com, ABCCP.com. That's where all the information is there, events and CPDs and all of the competencies I've spoken about and where people can also join if they want to join. And then, to you if you want to just talk to me directly you can follow me on linkedin i am googleable just google mongezi put the c in between c is for coach uh, mongezi c makalima and you will find me wonderful <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today enjoyed every minute of it thank you my pleasure Danny, and uh, great to have had this time to talk thank you so much Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Coach Club Africa. I trust we have inspired you today. Please follow this podcast so you will not miss out on future episodes. And do share the podcast with other coaches and leaders and leave us a review. 
This podcast is powered by Coach Africa, the one-stop shop for coaching in Africa. Coach Africa transforms bold dreams into reality as you step into your journey to being an exceptional coach or leader. If you would like to learn how Coach Africa can support you on your coaching or leadership journey, please visit coachafrica.org or send me a direct message through LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram.